Hello and welcome. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast with Rochelle and Carter. I never really thought about it before. You're really getting into this music. But you can do the head groove, uh-huh. chicken neck. My earrings are just swaying back and forth. Thought we have short music. <laughs> that could have gone on a while. Uh, this is a podcast weekly where we talk about what we're going through spiritually uh, through Hope on Demand. Do you remember that Seinfeld episode where Elaine was all thumbs when she danced? Yes. That was what I was doing with just the neck. It was a full body dry heave. Uh, the, the neck dry heave is what mm-hmm. was happening. Mm-hmm. Hopeondemand.com is a great resource for you. There is uh, other podcasts like The Art of Friendship with Kim Weir. Uh, great exploring different topics. Bill um, Ingram. Bill Ingram's Welcome yes. to, if you're a Texan, Welcome to Texas podcast is on there all at hopeondemand.com. So what we go through is just, you know, weekly kind of if we're going through some of the Bible or just a situation that's happened and talk about how it applies to, with scripture. With our quiet time, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I came across this. I had talked about going through Matthew 7 with my friend last week. Yes, your non-believing friend. Uh, different, yes. Different yeah, faith. Different faith, yeah. And um, has nothing really to do with that. It's just kind of like, and this is a bit of a deep dive, but I realized I have a conundrum. And maybe you've explored this and I haven't. When you asked me before we hit record on this podcast, would you would you be okay if I threw a hypothetical at you? Mm. I had no idea it was going to be a profound. It's a it's a profound like question and answer needed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to take it back. I don't know. (laughs) Well, maybe that's next time on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Have a wonderful week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Now, this does this does die pretty deep. I okay. mean, we got heavy last week about this particular yeah. serious thing that Jesus is saying. And it's it's the what, we, what I deem the scariest verse in the Bible. Oh, yes. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name uh, and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Mm-hmm. May, it, well, and I guess maybe the answer could be, well, they were wrong, but if they really did drive out demons, mm-hmm. how did they do that if they're not true believers in Jesus? Well, do you remember the scripture where Jesus is telling his disciples, the disciples had come to him and said, there are people that are using your name mm-hmm. to cast out demons. You you got to stop these guys. And Jesus said, well, they're not against us in this situation. That's right. I forgot about that one. Then they're for us. But how how would they have the power to do that? You know, I, that's one of those I don't know. Because I one said, it, well, I said here and for a second, I said, yeah. oh, well, the dark powers of this world. And then I remembered what Jesus said. That uh, house against itself cannot stand. So Beelzebub against Beelzebub, that's not going to work either. So I'm sitting here going, right. How'd they do this? Well, it doesn't mean. That, OK, so I'm going to I'm going to say it. There have been pastors uh, even recently who have had spotlight attention. Mm-hmm. And then we've discovered some pretty big travesties. That have taken place behind the scenes, behind the camera, if you will. Yeah. And their message was still potent and powerful in changing lives and had great ministry. So kind of God working in spite of people. He did. Look, he used Nebuchadnezzar. He, we read all throughout scripture the places where he allowed people who were not on the up and up to be used, including Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, that's I mean, true. that might be, I mean, I don't fully know the answer to that question. I don't know if we will ever fully know. I mean, that would be a, an educated guess at that yeah. knee-jerk response right now. I thought it's just fascinating. Sometimes you can go, wait, wait a minute. How's that work? <laughs> and it really it doesn't yeah. even, you know, hopefully mean anything to us because if we're believers in yes. Jesus, then we don't have to worry about that verse anyway. The Bible says that everything 
on the earth is the Lord's. Mm -hmm. Everything on this earth, all the people who live in it. So if he could use any one of us. Yeah, that's true. For his purpose, his glory. That's a very that's a very interesting point. So but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all in. And it's a heart issue. Obviously, with that verse, it's connected to a heart issue. Sure. I, you you used my name. Yes, that's true. Hmm. But you don't you don't, you don't know me. You don't know me. And I don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you got going this week? So, OK, I'm in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is an interesting collection of uh, basically speeches that Moses gives. And it's right before the people are going to cross over the Jordan River, the very famous river. Jesus is baptized in that river mm -hmm. later on, uh, about 1,500 years later on, actually. And they're going to go to the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. Most of the tribes will be on that side. A couple of them are hanging back on the other side because it's better for them. And they're, they're going to cross over. I, I think it's interesting that Moses has to repeat himself like, like any good parent. <laughs> How many times? I thought about going through and counting. I didn't this year. Maybe when I read through it again, I might count how many times he says almost the exact same thing. It's repeated in scripture. Mm -hmm. Almost every single one of these. And those are just the ones that were recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just. The point being, he says it a lot. Please obey. Please obey. Please obey. Uh, even this morning I read it. I think it's Deuteronomy 30 or 31 where it says, and I know you're not going <laughs> to. He said, and I know you're not going he to said, obey. Yes. Look, here it is. Here it is. OK, so he says in uh, Deuteronomy 31, 29, I'm going to die soon. And I know that in the future you will stop caring about what is right, and what is wrong. And so you will disobey the Lord and stop living the way I told you to live. Mm. And the Lord will be angry and terrible things will happen to you. And he has even gone into tremendous detail in the preceding chapters about what terrible things would happen enough to make your skin crawl. Why would you ever think about disobeying God? And uh, of course we read a little bit further on with the story and we're going to see that some of the very first things that happen when they cross over the Jordan and they defeat Jericho, that's exactly what happens. This yeah. guy disobeys God and yeah, it's this whole thing. But I do, I do love some parts of, De sorry, I bumped my microphone, parts of Deuteronomy. Um, Moses says in that same chapter I just read from 31, verse 6, he's saying, be brave and be strong. Don't be afraid of the nations on the other side of the Jordan. The Lord your God will always be at your side. He'll never abandon you. It was important for him to say it not once. He says it again. Joshua, be brave and strong. It's the counsel of Moses that is shaping Joshua's stance and counsel because Joshua 1 9 Joshua almost verbatim says the exact same thing mm. be bold be strong courageous the Lord your God is with you and then it's repeated one more time but a little bit differently in the 23rd verse the Lord told Joshua be brave and strong I will help you the words of Moses were really the words of God all along I find myself because I'm a human being, I attach moments that are divine to perhaps people who have shared them with me. Mm -hmm. And instead of putting God on the pedestal, the one who has given me this moment of clarity, of wisdom, sometimes because I've attached it to the person speaking the wisdom, I've attached it to them, and now that person's been put on this pedestal. Sure. So we were talking just a moment ago about, you know, the people in the spotlight 
who have had great ministry moments and I've been blessed or even fed spiritually through what they have shared, be careful, Rochelle, not to now put them in some sort of an idolatry position, some sort of on a pedestal. You will be clearly disappointed, as we have been with some of those pastors who have failed because they are human beings. And to recognize who's the one who's been saying it all along. Yeah. Me. God. Uh, there, There is, uh, I am guilty of that, of there have been uh, thoughts in my mind of uh, this church did it wrong, you know, this denomination or this branch d- did it wrong, and that's why we had to go to this, and that that branch, you know, got it wrong. And now we see it, you know, with modern, cool, hip churches mm. that 10 years ago were like, yeah, this is the way to do it. Well, because this we, is it. we could see them bringing the masses in and yeah. we're thinking we want people to recognize the amazing Jesus that we know and love. And we know that sometimes I, I look, I'm not trying to offend, but we might even look at the older styles as old and fuddy and duddy. Sure. Sure. Well, so, and, and it's because there's a relevance with a mm-hmm. a freshness when somebody does church a little differently. And and some of that's just like just aesthetics. Like, it's fine. You know, paint the church, whatever you want to paint the church, the building. But what you see is if we put our hope in uh, that this is these are the people mm-hmm. that, that are doing the good things like like, no, like they're going to screw up. I'm going to screw up. And it's it's so important to know that good things can become bad when you put them in a bad position. Yeah. So the church, if you make it an idol, that's not good. Yeah. That's an idol. Mm-hmm. Anything that takes your focus away from God, God taking number one spot and having like I have absolute clarity and focus that I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm not distracted because the church is asking me to do something else. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Which there may be good and caring people that are asking you to do that thing that you have to say, no, no, no. Look, I want to serve, but I know that God has ha- has me in this capacity. I must focus my attentions where he has me. Yeah. I could put the Bible even on a pedestal. Sure. This is a, a tangible manuscript. I believe that God's word is here in my hands. But it's not God. Yeah. It's a connector to God. Yeah. So I have to be careful of that, too. And And how can I make it an idol when I choose to overlook? Um. What he's asking, let me, let me see if I say this right. When I choose to overlook the, the need, when I choose to, when God has asked me to do something, say out of, well, Scripture tells me, let me, let me go back. You remember how the Pharisees and um, the teachers of Jesus' time would use the law against others? Mm-hmm. And it's because they had the law on this pedestal and they were revering it and they were following it and they had been instructed to. to in their defense, they had been instructed to to even write it in these things called phylacteries, these little boxes they place on their wrists or mm. even on their forehead so that they would constantly be remembering Scripture, talking about it. But at the same time, they would use it against people, and Jesus was trying to refer them to the truth behind it. Yeah. The well, heart of it. And that's where I think where the idol would play in most of the time yes. is is the man-made uh, attributions, the man-made additives uh, to what the point of what God's trying to yeah, get across. Yeah. And so, like, for example— and this is, you know, what the example I'm about to name is, I think, pretty extreme churches and people who do this, because uh, I've never seen this in my life. But I'm going through, uh, we've had Mike Winger on the, the show before. Mm-hmm. He does mm-hmm. another podcast, uh, the Bible Thinker podcast. And he has done the, all this research in women in ministry and women in leadership and even roles in the homes and like 
there's a lot of debate about all of that, right? Yeah, because it feels pretty clean cut when you read one scripture, you extract it from the passage. It sure. goes, wow, okay, well, women aren't supposed to be. And then you read another one about Phoebe, you know, or whatever. And, and you're like, like, how does that work? Yeah. And, She's a lady. And I think the, the point of this is it's very interesting where, and I did not know that certain, I don't know if it's denominations or what will do this, mm-hmm. or certain maybe just individuals will say, Women need to be to a point where they're they're uh, they don't need to make eye contact and they need to dress this certain way and they don't need to raise their heads in church and you know blah blah blah. And he, mm-hmm. what Mike made a good point was, that you're doing what the Pharisees did. Mm-hmm. You're doing what the scribes did. they they uh, attributed man-made things mm-hmm. to, to make sure that we meet what God is is communicating to us. We'll add all of our own things to it to make sure we don't even go there. And that even maybe started with a good heart. You know, for mm-hmm. example, in, you know, with, with the, the Jewish culture still in Israel on the Sabbath, that uh, you can't even hit the ele- elevator door button. Like mm-hmm. the elevator's disabled on that day so that people don't do the action of hitting the button. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a safeguard to make sure that they're honoring the Sabbath. Interesting. Honoring the Sabbath is the commandment. All of these things that you've added, you've now made an idol. Yeah. And and we can do that modern day, such as the suggestion he or the, the example that he gave or or with anything. Well, so let me let me just put out an example. You're a teenager again. OK, your parents have asked you to do this thing. It's tedious. You don't want to do it. You give them lip service in a good way. You look at them face to face, eye to eye. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'll do whatever you're asking to do. The moment they turn around you're making silly faces at them. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> Rolling your eyes. Maybe you even blow off the task or mm-hmm. have do it for havesies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you honored your parents? No. But to their face, you have. Right. And I feel like it's yeah. that's what Jesus was trying to offer to the crowd. Just because you have done it on the outside, you have honored by not lifting a finger. You're not getting the heart of the matter. I I want you to understand what the Sabbath is really all about. Mm -hmm. And it's about respecting what God has asked us to do. It lays out a time for you to rest. It also says that um, I can actually trust you with my seventh day's worth of provision, Mm -hmm. that it does not come from me. My provision comes from God. There's multiple reasons attached to why the Sabbath was a thing. But even in any one of the commandments, it's like, okay, so you can do it easily on the outside. But that's why also Jesus says, if you've done it in your heart, it's the same as doing it. Mm. So that's the point. Mm-hmm. And everybody was missing the point. Sure. They were so busy. Yeah, we get so busy. We get hung up on such weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we miss it. We miss, we've said it before, we've missed the forest for the tree. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that was part of what I was going over. And I know we're going to talk about scripture here with you in just a second. There was one other thing here in Deuteronomy, and I thought this was fascinating. But they will get fat. Just talking about the future of Israel. Okay. They will get fat because they're going to get everything they need there in the promised land. In fact, they're not even to build the houses. The vineyards are already planted because this was land previously plowed, farmed, owned by people. And it's been taken really good care of. So this is a blessed place that I'm just going to, it's yours. Yeah. They will get fat and turn their backs on me and start worshiping other gods. The Israelites will reject me and break the agreement that I made with them. Made me feel like sometimes how, um, and I don't want to point my finger at all of the United States, but I know that Western culture, uh, where we live, we're very blessed. We have 
we're very wealthy compared to most nations, right? And when you have plenty, it is easy to get lazy even in your thinking. Um, and I then can start to feel entitled. That's what happens. Yeah. Well, I should have that. Yeah. Shouldn't I have that? Somebody gives me a gift. That's lovely. The first time it happens, it's lovely. Uh, let's say my husband starts bringing me a donut home every other Friday. What if he misses one of those? <laughs> after a while, you've expected Where's it. Where's my donut? Right. <laughs> it's not a gift anywhere. It's like, oh, I need my donut. And my eyes will start to wander instead of staying focused on, on the, uh, the provider. I get, yeah. I think about the provision instead of the provider. And I was watching this movie the other day where this guy was a photographer and he's taking pictures and he was just, you could just see the joy on his face taking pictures. And his vocation now, excuse me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this correctly. Occupation means you get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Vocation mm -hmm. is a calling. So his occupation was in film. And here he is, he's taking pictures and he's loving it. And he said, you know, I used to do this all the time in my spare time. And his friend asked him, why don't you do it anymore? He said, well, they started paying me for it. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? The little things that can cause us, I don't know, distraction. Yeah. We start getting paid for the thing that we got called to do. Or let's say you have a gifting for something and now you have to turn around and find a way to monetize it, make it a lucrative business, the it's, thing that you were called to do. It sucks the fun out of it. It does. And I was just, it's kind of a warning there. This is stuff that is distracting to your purpose. And I never want to be distracted from God. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a warning for the Israelites back then. It's a warning that, look, I want to love you, Rochelle. I want to bless you. And I am blessing you. Yeah. Don't ever forget to not be so focused on the blessing that you forget who gave it to you in the first place. I don't know if this is a Christian quote or not. I don't think it is, but it, I think it coincides perfectly. Uh, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Like, that's one of those that I want to take a pointer stick to, and I'd have to read it over and over again. Mm -hmm. You have hard times, so think about World War II. Yeah. There were some strong men that mm -hmm. through that then created good times, prosperity. Yeah. yeah. Good times create entitled brats like me, millennials. <laughs> and then millennials, weak, you know, weak men. I mean, that's not all of them. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Weak men then create hard times. Mm, and then the cycle repeats itself. Repeats itself. Which is why it's called a cycle. And so you have, um, especially with, with us, believers in Jesus, uh, in that those hard times, it's not strong men mm. it, it's people seeking after god doing the right thing mm -hmm. because of faith in jesus and navigating through a hard time yeah. to then get to a a point of the problem for now is solved yes. this world's never going to be perfect but the yes. the problem the war the uh, you know the, yeah. the drought the whatever we've gotten through it you see all of that patterned throughout scripture yeah you see those who are really strong in their faith like a david here's this guy who's got a heart for god fully and then he created some really prosperous moments yeah. in the midst of really hard times because his predecessor was Saul and he was not a great king at all. And then Solomon comes around and he's kind of the entitled kid. And then the rest, I mean, it's just a big mess after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. It has to keep, you know, cycling over and over again. And there, there are people along the way and we never need to lose sight of that. And I hope that I'm one of them. I hope you're one of them that's listening and Carter is. Because we want to purpose ourselves to always be seeking after Christ. Mm -hmm. Just because we may be in a generation that is, for the most part, 
entitled or we may be seeing that in the headlines where we're fat and lazy or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. does not mean we have to succumb. We can be the ones that continue to see it through. How do I know that that's we still are talking about this? It got it got written down for us to know that this was a cyclical situation throughout Bible times and current day history. I think you see a good example of it in the uh, early books of Revelation, early chapters of Revelation. Uh, the Revelation I wouldn't touch for a long time because it just kind of freaks me out. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to uh, th- you know think about it. There's a lot of symbolism in it. But our church went over it, and really yeah. the first like three or four chapters are very applicable. Sure. You would understand, like, okay, these are Christians living in difficult cultures, yes. difficult cities, and we see ourselves more and more in that environment each and every day of living in a non-Christian culture. And you can just take that wisdom of what they're supposed to do in it. And it's mm-hmm. continued to, to seek Jesus is basically the main. Uh, Jesus is yeah. speaking to them and he gives them the message to continue following me and, and you know, chop, chop this up and quit doing this habit or start doing this habit. Or, or and, you know, a couple of them just continue what you're doing. You're doing great in the midst of hardship. Yeah, we will be persecuted. We will face hard times. It's promised to us in Scripture. Uh, we may be living in a more luxurious times than others before us. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's going to cycle back again. You know, we're we're living in a day and age where we're seeing laws changed in favor of things that are against what we believe as uh, the fundamentals of Christianity are being opposed. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. You never know where that's going to, quote, land us in the future, even in the next few decades uh, in terms of persecution. Uh, but it's it's something that Jesus said, I am never going to leave you. I will always be with you. You do not need to be afraid. We've seen it rear its ugly head in history over and over again. And there have been people all along the way to chronicle what has taken place. Good, strong people, men and women of faith who have followed God and loved him even through exile. Yeah. Yeah. Even through promised land, you know, all of those things. So I I hope that's encouragement because sometimes you're... You've heard the saying a zillion times. Oh, what's this world coming to? Uh huh. How many times do you think that one saying has been uttered throughout the beginning of, of history? Yeah, that's true. To, to present day. That's true. Yeah. Over and over and over. So, but there's always been good people there to to stand by the Lord and to pass on His truth to the next generation. Yeah, that's a very good point. I always think of this. I want to be that person, Carter. I always think of this silly example of you know we'd get to whether it's youth group or marching band or whatever and you know we we've experienced a couple of years freshman sophomore years junior year and then then it's graduating time and we're like what are we going to do without the seniors <laughs> we're not going to be the same youth group and then people step up well yeah you know people step up it just and it happens every year you know the sophomore junior class oh it's just the leaders are gone the leaders always leave and then you leave you know um, I love that that made me think about a passage I read this morning with Jesus was talking to his, to his disciples mm-hmm. Yeah, because you knew. Can you imagine being them? Oh, and he and he with leaves, that yeah. comparison. Like, yeah. Oh my word! What are we literally gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I got a helper. He's coming. Yeah, you're gonna be doing bigger and better things. Can you imagine that? So we've talked about our our culture, mm. and um, there is an interesting. Well, first of all, you know, I'm going through Matthew uh, very slowly, and I I I saw what what sparked my interest in it. The guy in Matthew 8, he has leprosy, it's a skin disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes down, uh, kneels before Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, be healed. 
Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. And, uh, and, then when he, and to finish Jesus quote, he says, this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of clicked on the note there on my Bible app and it said, see Leviticus 14, two through 32 is old Testament stuff. And is a whole ritualistic way oh, yeah. of making sure that, that they're clean and the offerings and sacrifices that you have to do to, to thank God in the midst of the miracle, if you've been healed and, and what, what struck me, especially with this example that I saw this week just on social media, is that a lot of people will say Jesus was this or Jesus was that, and for the most part without opening the Bible. Mm-hmm. And this is a prime example that Jesus confirms the Old Testament. Because mm, yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the hate on Christianity most of the time is, is against the Old Testament. And even... I mean, I have been, and and even I'm still confused, but I have been even embarrassed a little bit uh, to talk about the Old Testament because there's some awkward things that you don't even know how to explain at times. And I've just seen it time and time again. And one example that we'll get to another one with Jesus, he confirms scripture. Mm -hmm. He confirms that the Old Testament is true in many different books and that he has confirmed this is God's, this is how God has revealed himself to people. And we confirm that this is God's word. And so I found a very interesting situation. I don't want to get into the specifics of it because it's not the point. The point is it's it's not one-sided on this particular issue. Okay. There was a politician that quoted on Easter a political uh, issue and said, Jesus wouldn't have been for this. And I'll just say okay. the two sides I'm talking about, of course, are conservative and liberal politics. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get into the specifics. Okay. I'll just say she had said that um, Jesus felt this way about this issue. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of people, uh, s- some uh, meaningfully replied with scripture and said, this is actually what he says. Some on the other side of the political aisle said, actually, Jesus felt, I'll say, this way about guns. Jesus never, <laughs> never criticized the LGBT community. Jesus served uh, the this political group. Jesus uh, should uh, would have done this with his wealth. And you're like, wow, there's a lot of statements being made about Jesus. And I don't know if either of these, at least these particular people, have read what Jesus states or confirms about the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here going, this is why we need to be able to know scripture Mm. and use it in the right way. And what struck me after reading that and Jesus talking about, you know, he did talk about the Old Testament. Wait a minute. I had just read where Satan is tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And, you know, at at first, and that's and that's the thing, because so so this is this is if you don't know, the story is after Jesus gets baptized and starts his ministry, um, he Jesus was then led by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted there by the devil. Mm -hmm. And during that time, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus doesn't go to his feelings. He goes to scripture. He says, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's from Deuteronomy. That is from Deuteronomy. Yeah. You see quotes, but you can go look that up. It's it, like eight. Uh, yeah, 30, I actually wrote it eight, down three, a couple days ago. Eight, three. Yeah. yeah. Then the devil, so cool. the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the high, highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. 
for the scriptures say <laughs> he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even uh, hurt a foot on a stone. Which is a psalm. Which is a psalm. And I'm going to go through that psalm in just a second. Ooh. Jesus then responded, the scriptures say, the, all, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So Satan uses scripture. But let's go to, and this is where I think it's just more practical and applicable and uh, analytical to just if somebody challenges you with, well, Jesus was for this. Well, Jesus was for that. Mm -hmm. What do you say about that? And, and, and you go, I don't really know if they give you a verse, read the whole chapter, or at least read a couple verses above and a couple verses below, because here's what Satan said. You ready for what Satan said? Share it. The, the psalm. If you make, and this is from God though, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And he goes, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in the trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a life, with a long life and give them my salvation. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in that context is it what Satan implied. Mm -hmm. he, he, he didn't jump off a building, get the snake to bite you purposely so that God can be glorified all the more because he'll save you from that. Yeah. The people have done a lot of stupid things yeah. and they don't get bailed out necessarily. Satan is implying something that is not from that scripture. And Jesus easily says, yeah, the scripture also says, don't test the Lord your God. Boom, done. Conversation over until the next temptation that, Jesus, that Satan's going to take. Him what to. amazes me about that is that he didn't even get into the, the weeds of That's true. implication. Yeah. He just said, here's another scripture. Are you ready for this one? It's not worth it. <laughs> It's, it's, just your, it's important to use scripture the right way. Yeah. Because Darren was on with this, we are messengers a few weeks ago, and he said, yeah, Satan can quote scripture. We shouldn't just, just quote scripture and not be loving, mm -hmm. but we should be using it the right way. And so I look at that political situation and what people want to do nowadays, certainly with politics, but with anything, mm -hmm. with moral standards or whatever, people already have an agenda and they think they're the team captain in the dodgeball game and they want Jesus on their team. They think that they've picked and picked the rules and set up the game. And by the way, G G Jesus is on our team because he feels the way we feel. Mm. Jesus is the captain. We join his team. We don't start a team and try to bring Jesus along with it. Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. He would, in different situations, depending on the issue, we may have biblical application for certain topics within that. But you don't have a, here's this team, here's this team, Jesus fits every category. He's his own team. He's God. We got to get on his team. Yeah, we have. We're really short sighted with Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was all about the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is eternal. It is not right now. It is. I mean, it is actually. He shares the kingdom of heaven is right now because he was bringing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean to say, we are so tied to this earth and the things that we understand, including the laws that apply. Yeah, gravity timelines. I mean, these are the things that we understand because we're finite. We're human beings. That's sure. it. But God is infinite. And so Jesus keeps trying to stress even to the people of his day, they had these grand expectations for the Messiah to somehow overtake this empire, which was what they could see mm. in that moment, the Roman empire. 
Jesus's bigger, even grander design yeah. was to conquer death and sin that separates us from everything holy. Because there's this veil between us and what's real. This veil between us and what God desires for our lives. And he came to rip it apart mm. so that we could have access to what's real. Yeah. And we get tied down. I do as a Jesus follower. I get tied down with these little bickery conversations. I, I was reading this passage um, today. And I think he even says it right there. You know, the Romans are around them all the time. Mm -hmm. And at any moment, the truth of the matter is they could be killed. Right. Sure. If they just look at them sideways, they were considered, the Jewish people were considered dogs by the Romans. And it says, my friends, don't be afraid of people. They can kill you. Yeah. But after that, there's nothing else they can do. But God, he's the one that you must fear. Not only can he take your life, he can throw you into hell. Okay. God is certainly the one that you should fear. But then how I love Jesus comes in and he kind of gives you this warm hug and reminds you about this God that you should fear. And balances out with his great love. Mm. Five sparrows are sold for just two pennies, but God doesn't forget one of them. Even the hairs on your head are counted. So don't be afraid. You're worth much more than many sparrows. Isn't that interesting? How he would take that. You should fear God. Why are you so obsessed with what people can do? Sure. What we should be thinking about is eternal. And here's this loving God, and I'm sitting right in front of you, and I value you so much, so much more than birds. I am sitting here. I'm going to die for you someday. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just incredible. Incre so, I again, it's a great reminder, Carter, what you're bringing up. It's a great reminder. The things on my to-do list today can even bog me now, down. Not just the comments in on the social media page that frustrate me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Or the way that people respond and react. Keep my eyes on things that are eternal. And I know the desire to get people on board with us in terms of knowing who Jesus is so that, that it all can know. We're doing this great commission so that everybody can get on board. Yeah. I understand that, that be, that's, that's what we've been called to do. But more importantly than that is to obey. So if I am so obsessed with getting people on board and doing it in truth, but I forget the love part of that. Sure. In truth and love. Yeah. Then I'm getting tied down maybe by frustration and anger and friction when I might have had an opportunity to share grace. And that's the thing is uh, we can, we, we even talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast or not, but my bad customer service experience recently and uh, my my dad, they were arguing with me basically, the, the restaurant was. And my dad uh, made a very good point. He worked in the grocery business for over 30 years. And he said, you've, you see it time and time again, employees arguing with customers and you can win the argument and lose the customer. Mm. And the same thing would be true of faith. I mean, I could reply to the, those Twitter comments for that situation or whatever. And in some cases you might, you might think, oh, this could be a reasonable conversation. But to just do a shouting match yeah. and prove that I'm right. Well, Jesus would say you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't no, work. No, that doesn't really work. And don't put words in Jesus's mouth, and, by and the that, way. And that was what we were mad about in the first place, right? <laughs> they did, you know. And so so to to sit here and go, okay, I'm just going to prove you wrong, but then they walk away still being an atheist. Yeah, that didn't, or, or, didn't work, did it? Then, no, the point is for them to have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And so that that's what we got to keep in mind. Yes, truth and yes boldness sometimes especially when i bring that up i think we're in a culture that's yeah. going to be more and more about ah, i think jesus was kind of like this no let's just go what it's what he said <laughs> but but it has to be loving too it has to be loving and and ultimately for that 
faith to, to come into play for a person who does not believe in God, is an atheist or agnostic, um, searching, mm-hmm. which, who is, what is, I believe in a greater power, but I'm not certain who it is. Sure. That's an agnostic. Um, I, I have to ultimately say what I can do is bring to the table what I know in truth and love. But I do know the Holy Spirit is the one that that does the faith engagement. You know, I I I can't force somebody to yeah. believe. Yeah. And it is it is quite impressive when you do encounter somebody like a Lee Strobel, who famously was an atheist and now is a believer. Like there is a supernatural element that we cannot bring to the table that God alone can bring through us potentially. Yeah. But um, I and I I hope that also relieves any burdens that we may be feeling about like I didn't say enough. I didn't yeah, do enough. Totally. And what I, what really grinds my gears is I do want a fair representation. And then sure. and then if people choose to reject it, then then yeah, no, I, I have to let that go. But yeah. I think what grinds my gears is when people misrepresent what mm. Scripture says and what Jesus was about. Um, but but even with that, I have to hold everything loosely and go. I have to rely on God's sovereignty more and more. Yeah. And so when we do we Which, do, think about that sentence, I have to rely on God's sovereignty. Uh huh. Uh huh. But I totally get it. I, I, my, I have to shut my mind down and go, listen, you know, because we, we've done it with we do it with anything. Yeah. I should have been there. I should yes. have been there. Well, I wasn't there. Right. OK. And that means that I think God had me here for whatever reason or it's part of the fall or whatever. But God is still in charge. He's still in charge and he can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that up to him. Uh, there, hey, that's the quote of the day. God can do anything. God that's- can do anything. <laughs> Nothing is impossible.